Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today's show, today is the 11th of August. It was my mom's birthday on this day, and um, there's a lot on this day. There's a friend of mine, Dr. Mihoko, and on this day, we lost her as well. And so every time this day comes, I always feel like there's something special in the air, something beautiful in the air, and yet we're talking about such a daunting topic, you know, are are we dealing with a narcissist personality or not, and we're able to point out narcissists pretty early on because of awareness, but I posted something the other day about if you are involved with a narcissist personality, and I actually posted that a year ago. And it came up in my um, archives, and I said, you know, it's probably worth talking about again. So I post it, and, you know, you don't realize over the year there's been so many new people on my pages and on my website that a lot of them don't even know I really wrote a book or they don't really know that I saw Christ or whatever it is that started all of my work and kicked it off into where it is today. And so they're like, well, how do you know this? And where do you, I just, I enjoy that because they get that there's something worth knowing. And when Christ said, I would never have to tell anyone that they would tell me, it's happening. And it's a very interesting thing because one of my biggest, I want to say platforms that I like to talk about, is identifying if you are dealing with somebody who has narcissism. And the reason that's so important is so that you just don't bang your head against a wall. Know what you're seeing identify it because what happens is when you are dealing with someone who has narcissism they love bomb you in the beginning so no matter what anyone tells you you are not going to believe them and you are going to think that the other people are crazy and this person's got your back Because in the beginning, they're going to listen to you. They're going to learn you. They're the people who want to get married in two weeks. They're the people who, who want to do everything as quick as they can. Because they know that once they've got you in and you've listened to all the things that they've asked of you, that you're in. And once they have you, the relationship will change and you will not figure out how because you're still in the love bombing phase. 
And when you want to leave, then they just re-audition, re-enamor you with them. They go through the whole thing again. And I had a man, a narcissist man. Exes all accused him of it. It made him very upset. But he was able to articulate to me exactly the results of his personality type. And he was able to say, my relationships are best in the first two weeks, and then they go downhill from there. He knew it. He just didn't know why. And by the time he hit his 50s, he would say, I always thought it was them, but now I'm starting to think it's me. Why did all of my friends stay with their partners, and why couldn't my partners stay with me? turns out everybody that he's ever been with, including his wife of his children and all of that, left him. And he just didn't know why. And so my knowing this man and watching him try to do everything right and not understand what he was dealing with gave me a great compassion for narcissism. It's not easy to navigate in life where when you lack empathy. And what are examples of lacking empathy? It's you're married to a woman and it's Mother's Day. And you grump all day that, oh my God, it's Mother's Day. Now we have to celebrate her. Instead of, wow, thank you. Thank you for being a great mom to our kids. Thank you for staying up at night and taking care of them when they don't feel well and allow me to sleep. Thank you for taking care of them all day long. Thank you for feeding us and bringing good meals to our table. Thank you for playing with our children. Thank you for giving me time with them but making it easy for me. None of that is said. It's more like, well, gosh, well, we have to now celebrate you. It's Mother's Day. Or it's your birthday. And they take the opportunity because they're so burdened and inconvenienced by your birthday. And they don't even know what to get you for your birthday because they're not really paying attention to who you are. And they almost blame you for breaking up their routine for that day. Or you get pregnant and you have to throw up. You can't help it. And they start pointing fingers at you and saying, oh, look at her like she's the first person who was ever pregnant. Look at her go throw up. Instead of saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you keep throwing up. You must be exhausted. So that lack of empathy, that way of looking at things, you have to remember that when you're dealing with somebody who has this personality, all arrows point back to them. Another example, and I I used this one in a show a long time ago because when I found it out, I was so astonished that I couldn't even believe that that was one of the ways 
But let's say you go to a party and a man and a woman, and, and let's even say they're married, and they go to a Christmas party for his work. And his wife is over there talking to the most handsome guy in the room. And the husband knows who he is. And you would think he would be jealous of the fact, or at least like, oh, wow, look who's interested in my wife. But he doesn't care because he's already devalued his wife in his eyes. Goes over there and strikes up a conversation and tries to show how charming he is. It's because they don't have jealousy. What he wants is to go there and be better than his wife and get more attention than his wife because he should be the one who gets all the attention, not you devalued human over here. And the sad part is the partners know this, but they don't know what to do. Because to the public, they are the one that's out there and they're dressed and they've got everything together and whatever it is that goes on that they show to the public. And then when the lights go out, you're dealing with the other side. So what happened is I did this whole list about, you know, if you're involved with a narcissist personality, you know, catching them lie, angers them, and then they blame you for noticing as opposed to admitting that they lied. They will never admit that they lied. They will turn it around. They will spin a 100 plates around your head just to make you wish you never said what you said. If you start doing well, they start competing with you, and when you're broken, they will help you to get you to being well, and then when you are well, they will compete with you. Because everything is a game. And in Origins of Truth, Christ said, there is no game based on truth. The other things they'll do. You're doing things you love. If you go see your friends, if you go see your family, if you do anything without them, even though they may not want to go, they will look at that as you doing something against the relationship. They are also the people who say, I hate drama. Look at all those people that are so drama-driven. And then as you get to know them, you realize they're the ones creating it. The biggest marker is start getting accused of stuff. And you know you didn't do it, whatever it is. Let that be a sign that that's what they're doing. So if somebody just comes to you and out of the blue, they know you and you you can't figure out how they've done this because you don't know what you're dealing with. And they'll accuse you of cheating on them. And you never cheated. You never even thought of cheating. You're too busy trying to stop the spinning plates from spinning. But they accuse you of it. Chances are, They've either just cheated or they're planning to cheat. And the way that they deal with themselves is by somehow telling themselves that it's you that's doing what they are doing. The minute you start to 
find the truth or express the truth. That's sudden death to the status of your relationship. And that's when the spinning plates begin. Oh, you said we would do this. I didn't say that. Oh, yes, you did. You know, when we were having dinner and you remind them when they said it, they're like, wow, you remember everything. Wow, you take this so literally. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just repeating what you said. And now you're in trouble. Their confidence is based on insecurity. If anything you guys are doing together or apart that is not about them, they are not interested, period. Lying is is kind of fun. They know they're doing it and they know that they're spinning you. But not fun like ha-ha fun, but for them, it takes the attention off of them. And when they see you hurt, they feel like they are still in control. Because why would you bother to be hurt and fight them instead of say, you know what, you're nuts, I can't do this. Believe it or not, when you do do that, they tend to stand at attention and re-audition because they're like, oh, wow, they're, they're leaving my, my spell. That's what they're thinking because you saw it and they start to respect you. But then when you come back, they no longer respect you, and they go back into the cycle of devaluing you because you were stupid enough to go back in their mind. So they know that they've broken you down. It's an amazing world. So I had a girl come to me, and this was only two weeks ago. I happened to know her well enough to where she calls me, And she says to me, I met this guy at work. He's about 10 years younger than me, but we have so much fun together. And I laugh so hard that I have to bend over and hold my sides. And everybody knows, you know, every time he comes, he asks for me. Everyone thinks we're dating. So then I told him, oh, yeah, I told them we were. And all of a sudden, she saw a side of him she did not see coming. Here's the man she only has had fun with, only has laughed with. And he said, you told them we were dating? She's like, yeah, I was kidding, but yeah. He said, well, who did you tell him? What did you say? And all of a sudden, he was worried. So when she saw that, She called me, and she said, hey, you know what? He's about 40 years old. He's still trying to start a business or do this. He comes back to this area and lives with his parents, and he's complaining about his parents. And I said, and he's 40, and he's going back home, and he's complaining about his parents? And you're thinking because he's 10 years younger than you, you got to catch And then he reacted that way. And she said, well, I didn't really think of it that way. And I said, well, think about this. 
you just were in the love bombing stage, and now you're not because you found out a truth. He's throwing spaghetti at a wall, and he wants to see which piece of spaghetti is going to stick. She's like, no, not him. And I'm like, okay. What if what's it been like since you had that conversation? She said, Well then he didn't call me for a couple of days, so I called him. And I said, Okay, that's the first sign of manipulation. Now he's withdrawing. He's making you wonder what's going on to the point where you call and now he knows, Oh wow, I kinda got this one. I'm not sure how much I got her yet, but I won't pick up the call. Right. He didn't pick up the call. And, you know, he was going to leave in a month, so I didn't want to get too close. And I said, you're saying that, but that's not what you were doing. You were going to tempt fate, know he's leaving in the month, and then create the drama that, oh, my God, now he's leaving and we're in love. I said, you're actually in love with being in love, but you're not in love with him. You don't know him well enough to know if you really have that caring, that deep sense of understanding that the two of you are a solid couple. And the minute you thought you did, you found out that in that same environment you're in, he's out doing the same thing to see who he can catch, like the Venus flytrap. The bottom line is you're with a drifter who's very manipulative. I didn't call him a narcissist. I don't I don't know enough to know that, but I do know the signs. And I also know that he was beginning the stages of manipulation to where the person doesn't even know how they got to where they are. So she was going to have him over for dinner, and he was never really giving her a yes or no answer. He either shows up or he doesn't. So he keeps her hanging In the meantime, she goes out, buys the groceries, gets ready, and then waits, and then gets disappointed. And so I said, he's not coming, but before he doesn't come, you don't make plans for him to come. Don't let him come. Don't let him into your home. This is totally toxic. It's already toxic. And I don't care how much fun you had in the beginning, enjoy the fact that you did because it will never be that good again. And I hate to say that, but I knew in my heart what she was dealing with. Just yesterday, she let me know that since the day we spoke, she has not seen him or heard from him. She said, I think he knew I knew. And I said, he's still throwing spaghetti on the wall. You're just the one that thank God, did not accept the behavior. So what happens? I put up this if you're involved with a narcissist personality, and I get a question. And I thought, okay, how do you know if you're dealing with a narcissist personality or not? Well, it's all about awareness. It isn't about hurting other people because this isn't about hurting. This is about, in a way, an illness that cannot see anything but itself. So anyone who comes into the picture will never be seen. 
That's why I say it's awareness. You don't have to hate and hurt these people. They're already hurt. They're already insecure. They're already in a place because that's all they've got to offer. If they had love, they'd offer love, but they don't have it for themselves, so they cannot share it with you. So Maureen Cook asks, if someone fits this description but is not a liar, would they then be better defined as self-absorbed? Well, one can feel and has empathy, and one does not. That would be the difference. But my bigger question is, how do you know they're not a liar? Because one of the ways a narcissist, I want to say, webs somebody in is they'll tell you the most embarrassing truths about themselves. You know, I actually did lie to her. And then because they tell you that, you think, oh, wow, they know they lied. And they admitted it. So they must be telling me the truth. But that isn't true. I had a man who was a narcissist who said to me, I hope I never lie to you. And because I didn't understand what I understand now, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's really trying I'm here. That's it. I'm in. Look at how honest he is. And every single thing he told me about his girlfriend and their relationship, as time went on, I understood her better and better and better until I said... Oh, my God, I'm her. And now I'm the one crying like she was crying. And he was he didn't care that she was crying. He was upset that I never made anybody ever cry. But I was almost there. Myself. I don't think except for the empathy part, there's a difference between so self-absorbed or self-absorbed to the point where you don't care about others at all and can't even see others. Everything points back to you, the difference between that and a narcissistic personality. And when you say someone is not a liar, I don't know if we really know that. Unless it's ourselves and we know we're not lying but we really just don't care about anybody else, then maybe that's what we are. But when we interact with other people, catch something that isn't right, how they react to us is a huge sign. It's all about awareness. It's not about, you know, in choices. Do I want to play this game? Because it is a game, and you're going to have to play, or you're not going to. You're going to get run over. You cannot have a relationship that goes into greater depth with somebody who doesn't understand that greater depth. A lot of people, when they meet somebody who is not narcissistic, 
every day builds to a greater day, like your history means something to both of you, how you met, what you've done, where you've gone. It all builds you. It makes it stronger. It makes you feel like, wow, I really have a partner. I can be myself. It's not easy to be yourself with other people. In all the work I've done, people who were married to narcissists and stayed married to narcissists for years, I don't care how big they are in their professions, but if their partner is a narcissist, they are a mouse at home because they know that if they rock that boat, they are in trouble and they just want to buy peace. So they give themselves up for that peace. And they may be scared to leave because that other person is the one that's running the finances or running the the house or running something, and you just don't even know if you can ever meet someone again. I've had people say that. They got so used to not being loved that they settle for any crumb that comes their way. Those are the people who have stayed When you've been in a relationship with a narcissistic personality for many years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, and you go for therapy, and this I read just about there's different kinds of narcissists, but there's one called a covert narcissist, meaning you don't see it coming and you don't know how it happened. When they counseling or go to therapy after a relationship with a narcissist. They literally use the same techniques they use when they are deprogramming somebody from a cult. That's how serious this gets into your psyche and brings about every fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt that you could ever have for anything you've done with this person because everything is your fault. If they give up, like with a lie, and they they will never admit it, but they know that you know and then it keeps coming up, you get blamed for torturing them, for accusing them. If the whole thing turns around into you looking like a monster and them being your victim, They are everybody's victim. No matter what anyone says, it's how we are all hurting that poor person. I had a child with those traits whose mother left her at six months old. She had to learn to survive. It's not a good story. But her story didn't get better because her insecurities were so high that she had the signs of having this personality where she had no empathy. And she would steal money from her sisters, from her parents. She would steal stuff. She would steal things that she knew were dear to people. And then when they'd find out it was her, she would cry for a day or two or three that everybody blames her for everything. And then the next day what she would do is she would come in and say, someone stole $5 from me, which wasn't true. And we all knew it because now we've the pattern, but they are blind so that she can try to create a spinning plate, but she was just too young to understand how to do it in a really non-obvious way. 
so that she would say she was stolen from as well. So my answer to you, Maureen, would be, you know, do they lack empathy? Do they not see that others, and about knowing someone's not a liar unless it's yourself, you don't know that. We don't know that. It's a tough, tough, tough personality to be. And pray for them. Pray that one day, if it's possible, because if you talk to therapists, they say it's it's like a 80-20, 70-30. Never even got a 50-50. You guys, I got to go. The show's already over. I can't believe it, but I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.